You're listening to Blue Notes Further Reading, where we delve deeper into the emerging themes and issues in the financial services industry. You know, the more we think about the the opportunities with open banking, the more we expect to be working with third parties to evolve solutions. Today, I chat to ANZ's Nigel Dobson about open banking, accredited third parties and the data economy. So Nigel, thank you for joining us on Blue Notes. Um, so we're here today to talk about open data, open banking, what is it, what does it all mean? Um, so can you quickly for us just explain what is open data uh, and then I suppose what is open banking and you know, how are they the same, how do they differ? Sure, Gemma. Look, they're, they're, they're clearly related and, and one's really a subset of the other and open data is, is really talking about a data economy and I think the government uh, is taking its lead from um, the Northern Hemisphere where you've seen in the UK and um, in Europe um, where the, the governments have been inclined to um, give the consumer the, the right to their data, which they, of course they rightfully own. And so here in Australia we will legislate the consumer data right, which gives you and me and any citizen or small business or, or large business, frankly, uh, the right to ask a, an institution that holds your data to um, transfer that data to a third party. And now, that'll be an accredited third party, and I'll talk to you about that in a moment. Um, and so that's a broader umbrella view of open data in an, in an open economy. And really driving um, those two things, which is the, um, the giving the consumer the control over their data, but secondly, also driving innovation. So the thesis is that is when c- consumers can... Um, move their data willingly with consent uh, to a third party who may be doing something for them like aggregation and analytics or some sort of um, useful uh, proposition Um, that allows a number of non-banks particularly uh, or fintechs into the market to use that data in a way which is innovative um, and offers propositions which the banks may not have otherwise have delivered. Um, so it puts a, a bit of a you know a bit of a fire under our feet as well to to innovate and to um, use our data in a way that we've wanted to do, but it also just gives us that extra catalyst to do it faster. When we come to open banking, it's it's clearly related, um, but open banking is particularly around a customer of a bank who can request uh, and give consent to their data, their um, their credential data, and their transaction data and their product data to be moved to another organisation. And then typically, at the moment, in in its inception, uh, it will be other banks. So the the, the large four banks, uh, ANZ, CBA, NAB and Westpac, have been asked to pioneer this. And by July next year, we have to come to market with an open banking proposition, which will enable customers of those institutions to move their data from one bank to another, but also to what we would call accredited parties. So in parallel to the big four banks getting prepared for open banking in July next year. There, there will be a number of third-party providers um, yet to be fully realised, but it could be, could be Amazon, it could be um, you know, data companies like Data Republic or something like that, that come to market and say, well, you know, we've got a great proposition we can offer uh, these citizens and we'd like to be accredited by the standards body, which is being set up at the moment. And that standards body will say... You know, are you a responsible entity? Do you have data security, track record? How will you protect the data? How will you receive the data? And what will you do with it? Uh, and they, a number of questions, and uh, amongst others, that they'll be asked, and they'll be accredited. 
So they will become a party to which ANZ will identify and say, yes, that, that third party, we are able to send data to that third party because A, our customers consented, and B, because they've been accredited to receive that data. All banks or ADIs in Australia under the regime are expected to be accredited um, already or, or they'll be a very uh, straightforward process because we already demonstrate daily uh, that we are um, secure and responsible custodians of our customer data. The accreditation will largely apply to non-banks who wish to enter into the data uh, economy. Uh, and they could be very large platform companies that we know very well, um, who probably will have very little trouble establishing credibility around their ability to secure and use data responsibly. Um, where this becomes most um, interesting and most important is where you get smaller, less well-known companies who may have terrific ideas and capability, but they do need to demonstrate ultimately that they can be responsible in securing um, customer data, ensuring privacy is um, um, upheld, and that they can demonstrate they have a, an infrastructure capability that, that is resilient um, and, and secure. You know, the more we think about the the opportunities with open banking, the more we expect to be working with um, third parties to evolve solutions. Um, and so that's why you would have a developer portal. That's precisely why you do that, because you want to encourage people to come to you, ANZ, and say, you know what, when I work with ANZ, I get the best APIs, I get the best data, I get the best experience. And when I evolve a solution that may be really valuable for a certain customer set, I'm going to go to ANZ to see if they want to launch that with their customers because, you know, substantially we will still have, you know, a, a large customer base which they would like to um, potentially um, sell their product into. So I, I do think there's a, a natural, you know, magnetism around that where if you create the right environment, the right culture, then partnering with um, big, small and, and uh, medium-sized technology companies or data analytics companies is, is an obvious thing. And yes, we'll have to pick and kind of choose the, the, the folks that we think are going to be the winners um, and, and kind of back them. I don't think you can go with everyone. You've got to make some decisions about who you, who you want to partner with um, and what opportunity they bring to you. And so do you think this will fundamentally change the way that we do banking in general? Do you think it's just one of the sort of the flow on of things are always changing and this is just one of those things? Look, I think it's, it's, it's a bit of both. I think that the... Our, all banks, all financial institutions realise that they sit on vast quantities of valuable data. Uh, and we all understand that um, analysing, diagnosing and, and, and raising propositions and insights from, the, from that data that we hold um, is, is increasingly important and valuable to our customers. And I think that we're already seeing emerge propositions at, at ANZ and elsewhere where we're using that data really in really smart ways. Uh, and, and giving our customers insights about their, their buying behaviour, about, about where they buy, how they shop, how they save, how they don't save. Um, and those sorts of things you're seeing emerging. And um, so to say that this is new would be wrong. What, what I think we'll see is that the, if you're able to add my ANZ data with my other bank data and enhance the, a current proposition, like a budgeting tool or, or just to aggregate my banks, in one application, that's additional value. So what I think open banking does is it extends and enhances some already um, well-advanced or, or evolving propositions that we're thinking about at the bank um, and adds that additional data to give a fuller picture 
of, of a customer's full financial position. What it also will do too, will it'll assist us tremendously, I think, in um, responsible banking. Um, there's been a lot of talk around um, how banks uh, are analysing customers' data and, and around what data they get in order to, um, particularly in terms of advancing credit to customers. And I think this opportunity is, is a win for both the customer and the bank. The customer is will be given the opportunity to um, send a range of data that we otherwise may not have got from a, a highly reliable source, as opposed to them telling you what they think they spend. We can actually get that diagnostic from another bank and say, oh, well, on, you know, you're spending that much on your Westpac credit card, and you know, now we know we've got your ANZ mortgage, and, and you piece it together and you get a, a really reliable financial position as opposed to relying on a, a, a customer statement, which may not always be reliable. And at the same time, you can, you can give the client the right product and not overburden them. Uh, and potentially, uh, if they do in, get into, into hardship, you'll be able to diagnose that as well. So we have a better diagnostic tool up front in terms of what credit product should be extended to the customer responsibly to make sure they don't get into hardship. And if they do, then we have an ability to better diagnose where they might be going off the rails and try and help them to get them back into a, a more secure financial position. And so would you say that that's the main thing from a customer's perspective, that will be the main benefit to customers being able to sort of aggregate that, that data and have that sort of better user experience for the customer? I do. Uh, I mean, if you think about what we're saying at ANZ at the moment, you know, helping our customers get on top of their money. This is precisely what this allows you to do. Um, and that's why I'm excited about this. And we should be really positive about this because it does give the bank an avenue working with the customer and having the customer consent to have the data shared, um, which will allow us to help them get on top of their money, um, consumers and, and particularly small business. Um, and it's also fair to say that the a consumer and a small business are time poor, they don't have the tools, um, and we can provide them with those diagnostic and analyst, anal, analytics type tools to get on top of their money. Um, as you go up to the big end of town, you know, large companies this is an industry within their organisations already. We don't have a lot to add. We give them the data, but they do their, their analytics and their, their sort of generate their own insights. Now, as I say, at retail and small business, this is where you get that tremendous value where they then uh, potentially get tools from their banks, mm -hmm. hopefully particularly ANZ, where um, they are getting a service they wouldn't have dreamt of getting, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a year ago. Yeah. And so you mentioned earlier about regulation and how that's still sort of settling in and still being decided upon. Where, where, where would you say that's at at the moment? I think further towards <laughs> the early <laughs> stages. I, I, I think we're in the formative stages. Mm. Um, that said, I think we are also, we in, in Australia, and I think the expectation is amongst the regulators is that we'll take a good amount of our lead from the European and UK experience. So this is not a blank sheet of paper. Um, however, we haven't designed it for the Australian context yet. Um, so we'll take a lot of learnings, um, particularly the things not to do and things to avoid that we're, we're having very frequent conversations. I had two conversations yesterday, for example, with the UK, um, uh, uh, di different bodies in the UK talking about open banking. And that was largely around what did you do and what would you do differently if you had your, chance, your time again. Uh, that's really useful. That may help us accelerate uh, or make better quality decisions faster around the standards and around the, the specifications um, 
and the way in which we implement this. Um, but ultimately, it has to be an Australian context in, in which we operate. So still early stage, but we have, we've kind of got a, a partial playbook that we can learn from. And can you talk me a little bit through, I suppose, the, the technology that sits behind open data and open banking? Is it uh, similar to the traditional technology behind banking? Is it vastly different? Look, I, th I think it, in a nutshell, it's, you'd have to say it's different because there's a very strong emphasis on using APIs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, to say that APIs are a brand new technology would be incorrect, but the way in which um, APIs have been used um, in, in a banking context um, have been pretty pretty restrained. Um, we haven't typically exposed APIs that deliver services and information to our customers. We connect through our online channels and we, we build these um, interfaces that our customers connect to the bank through and we give our data through those channels typically. Now that's not going to go away in a hurry and then even today internally um, a lot of those channels are serviced by internal APIs. So um, that is not new. What is new is the extension of these API services outside the bank just as an API, which can be consumed by a third party. Now, as I say, in, in the open banking scenario, this will be transaction data um, predominantly. Um, it won't necessarily be a transactional service, which we um, you know, allow through our channels. However, in the future, we believe that a transactional service will be um, one of the APIs that um, will evolve. Now, I say that because in Europe and the UK, um, payment APIs have been part of their, um, their spec. Um, so a third party can actually, on behalf of a client, initiate a payment without being a bank. Right, right. so that's pretty, pretty interesting. And that, that is kind of back to your earlier question around how will this change banking. That to me is a really important pivotal point where payment initiation, in addition to information sharing or data sharing, will change the way uh, we compete and who we compete with. And so there's, there's been a lot, uh, obviously, in the wake of the GDPR that's come out recently, there's been a lot written about use of data and, and the right to be forgotten, those sorts sure. of things. How do you stop someone not accredited from sort of joining in that environment, sort of slipping in the back door, those sorts of things? Well, that's a very good question. And look, we constantly are uh, battling against people who are trying to invade or, or penetrate our environment, our data centres or whatever, um, I don't think that's ever going to change. I think there will always be um, folks who are hell-bent on trying to you know, um, illegally obtain a customer's data. What I like about this regime is that, that you, you give the customer explicit consent um, opportunities. So they say they have to know where their data is going. They have to be buying a proposition that they understand. And, and to an extent, the, the consumer will decide um, which of those accredited parties they really trust and, and which they, they, they look to for um, innovative solutions. Um, underpinning that, of course, is the accreditation. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, those third parties will need to demonstrate explicitly and on in an ongoing basis that they are responsible uh, to, to hold data, they're able to secure it, they will use it for only the purposes to, uh, to which they have stated to, to the customer, um, and they'll retain it only as long as the customer consents to have it with them. So I think that framework is, is, is well understood, and we've seen it in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, 
data security and privacy will, will be an overlay on that as well, as we expect. And so what, what does the future look like for open data and for open banking? What's the next immediate steps that we should, uh, that you know, people can look out for um, publicly? Yeah, I think publicly the, the first evidence of this will be uh, within a year's time when uh, we expect um, a range of APIs to be launched um, and that'll be partly public information around our products so that will allow customers to more easily compare different products, different mortgages, different transaction accounts or savings accounts, for example, at different banks. So that that information will be available for them or third parties to consume and, and, and make comparisons. I, I think that um, after that, that um, there will be a richer product set that will emerge in terms of that, that service and data availability. And then um, the government uh, hopes to um, broaden the open data regime to beyond banking. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why we made the differentiation earlier, right? Um, there's open banking, which is the first um, move. Um, so we'll be the first movers in this in this open data economy. But then it'll open everything. Pretty much open everything. <laughs> well, particularly large companies like telcos and energy companies that hold a lot of data on you and I. Um, and they have um, been able to get insights or to understand you know, your behaviour and your, your, your preferences um, within their environment. Now the government's saying, well, that data is, is useful and rich and, and particularly when combined with other maybe banking data and telco data that can give you uh, a tremendous um, raw material to build propositions that may not come from banks, mm -hmm. um, but the, that data economy will, will be... Um, vibrant and growing because the data sources are available and anybody responsible mm -hmm. and accredited can come and build you know, valuable propositions for customers. Right, well, it's been great having you on, Nigel. Really appreciate your expertise in this area and hopefully other people can learn something too. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Further Reading. Further Reading is a product of the Blue Notes editorial team with music by freestockmusic.com.